Well, thank you, Peter. This is a first for me. Uh, I've spoken to some small congregations in my time, but I've never spoken to myself on a screen. I feel like I should be doing something like tapping the microphone and asking if everybody can hear me, but I won't because it's very annoying. What I will say is, uh, are you sitting comfortable? Then I'll begin. The title of this uh, reading is called by name to fish and follow. Now a couple of weeks ago when Matt asked if I would fill this slot I was still recovering from a day at Woolacombe on the beach fishing for bass. Now I don't know whether knowing that I was a keen fisherman was the motivation for asking me to do this particular passage but let me say from the outset that I believe of all the sports, hobbies, pastimes, whatever you want to call them Throughout the Gospels, it's clear that fishing is specially anointed. It's got the divine seal of approval. And remember, the symbol for the Christian is actually a fish. But like the disciples, like us, to do it well, we need to learn, we need to practice. It needs preparation. It takes effort. Many people that think that fishing is a lazy man's sport. My joints actually testify that it takes effort. It can be exhausting. It does have its reflective moments. It can be relaxing. I can assure you though that standing in the surf for six hours in heavy waders, casting out non-stop, is not the faint hearted. Now this isn't exactly the same kind of fishing that these lads were doing but it took just as much if not more knowledge, effort and commitment and Jesus I think connects this to what it would be like to follow him now you've already heard in previous weeks that Mark's gospel is like a presser short to the point it gives you the key facts it doesn't go into great detail a lot of the time and it misses a lot of stuff out. And here, in just a few sentences, Mark almost matter-of-factly recalls the beginnings of the most significant world-changing movement in history, the calling of the first disciples. These were the first seeds of what would grow to be hundreds, thousands of disciples and ultimately the worldwide church. The important thing that Mark is trying to get over here though is that here was a man sent from God and this man was calling people into the kingdom of God. So he doesn't go into great detail. The key thing was the long-awaited time has come. God's anointed has finally appeared here on the scene in this remote part of the world what generations have been waiting for have been hoping for was now beginning it's becoming a reality now if you only read Mark you might think that these fishermen knew nothing about Jesus and then he suddenly appeared he called to them to follow and they just dropped everything and went but if you read Luke he fills out quite a lot more of detail and it's quite clear from Luke that Jesus and his message of the kingdom of God is near 
repent and believe, it must have been heard by these men. Jesus was a celebrity in the area. People flocked to hear him. They must have known what he was talking about and who he was. If we read from Luke 5, verse 1, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowded around him, listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. We find out later that it had been a fishless night, and these tired men were cleaning up before going home for a well-deserved sleep. Now I can spend a day fishing for trout up at Wimbledon Lake and not catch anything, yet still have a wonderful day. Being out there on a nice sunny day like this, enjoying being surrounded by nature, it's great, even without fish. Not that that happens very often. But when it's your livelihood, it's a different matter. Tired and frustrated, even annoyed at not having any fish to sell. I doubt that Simon was in the best of moods when Jesus hopped into his boat and asked him to go back out into the water so he could speak to the crowd. Maybe he felt a bit like sometimes you do on a Sunday morning when you're feeling grumpy and you have to sit for a sermon. And to make matters worse, when he finished speaking, he then said to Simon, Go further out into the lake and throw your freshly clean nets back into the water. You know, as a fisherman, and sometimes it's not in lakes or uh, by the side of the sea, sometimes by the river, one of the most annoying things is when every time somebody comes past, they ask, have you caught anything? Even worse is when they think they know better than you and then try to give you some advice. Now Simon was skilled, he was knowledgeable, but temporarily unsuccessful. Jesus then tells him what to do. I can imagine the temperature may well have begun to rise. And in Luke 5, verse 5, it says, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. He clearly respected Jesus. He called him Master. But clearly, he was also still a bit miffed. And we get that kind of, all right, if you say so. But he clearly, I don't think, was all that pleased. But then, surprise, surprise, the catch of a lifetime. So much so that he had to call the other fishermen to give him a hand. And it's at this point that Mark joins with Luke in recording that the four fishermen left everything to follow Jesus. And that was no small thing. These were poor fishermen scraping a living day by day so that for them to leave it was no great loss. They had a business. The suggestion is obviously that they were boat owners but had a business big enough to need higher deckhands. So these weren't sort of poor, well I've got nothing to lose type people. 
but they were called. And obviously from what they'd heard previously, they decided they had to respond. Now the call of Jesus was to change their lives for eternity, which was no small thing either. It turned out to be a bit of a bumpy ride. Not everything went the way they would have liked. There was even a time when they went back to fishing. But Jesus said, Oi, I called you. And then they returned to follow him. Maybe a bit like us sometimes. We need that call to say, You've been called. What are you doing over there? Get back. So what does it say to us this morning? First of all, Jesus is still calling disciples and he calls us by name. When he sends out that invitation to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, well first of all it's universal. It's a call to everybody. But it's also personal. And I think many people have heard that general invitation. And for one reason or another have ignored it. Not everyone has recognised their name as being called. They're too preoccupied with other things. Their ears are closed. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. But Jesus is naming you. He's calling you. Or maybe he's just giving you a nudge and saying, you're already a follower. But you're not really following. And you need calling back. But he calls you by name. So if you're a follower of Jesus already, you've heard that personal invitation and you've begun the big journey with Jesus. But what does that mean? Now to the disciples, Jesus was something like a rabbi. And I think we know that from an early age, young children would learn from a rabbi much <coughs> as today we learn from a school teacher. We know that Jesus himself learned from rabbis. But usually it stopped when they reached the age that was considered to be adult. And then <coughs> just some of the best would be invited to continue to follow the rabbi, to walk through life with him. And it was an honour to be chosen to walk through life with the rabbi. And the idea was not only to learn all that he could teach, but also to go wherever he went, to become like him. The more like your rabbi you become, the better. That was the ultimate. But how does that translate into our modern setting? A guy called Ray Van der Laan, who studied Jewish rabbi system, put it this way, and it's a quote from one of his books, the Talmud, which is a disciple, must be no less focused on the rabbi. We must be with him in his word. Now he's talking about a Christian now. We must follow him even if we're not sure of the final destination. We must live by his teachings, which means we must know those teachings well. And we must imitate him whenever we can. <coughs> in other words, everything becomes secondary in life to being like him. Back in the 50s, there was a film called The Big Fisherman, came out from Hollywood. 
and Wikipedia <coughs> describes it like this. The story traces Peter's journey from self-sufficient fisherman to his dependence on a risen Christ. And that's the journey of the disciples. It's the same for you and me. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus has named you. He's called you by name. To learn from him. He equips us. Not just through the Bible, but through his Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus promised? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Discipleship is lifelong. We might need reminding of that from time to time. But we need to stay in touch with the Master. <coughs> Jesus called, has called you by name and wants you to continue to walk and talk with him. To go where he wants to go. To do and say what he would do and say if he were physically here. <coughs> this is discipleship. It's the ultimate in discipleship. To be the authentic representative of the Rabbi Jesus. They calls, he quips, <coughs> and he sends us in his place. He doesn't send us to call people by name into the kingdom of God. That's not our place. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit calls people by name. But we are to introduce people to Jesus to show them life in the kingdom of God, to help unblock their ears so that they too will hear the call to discipleship from Jesus. To use fishing terminology, to be fishers of men and women and children is to cast out the bait, to draw people to an awareness of Jesus and an understanding of the good news. If you're in a life group, you've been looking at that in recent weeks and we continue to do so. What it means in practice. Because the detail of what it means for you is unique to you. The process of growing more like Jesus and contributing to making the kingdom of God more of a reality on earth is a product of your personal relationship with Jesus. I'm just reminded that God the Father sent the Son into the world, it says in John, and Jesus said, the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded them. Well, the Son, Jesus, sends you and me into the world, so that the world learns that we love the Father and the Son, and we do exactly what they have taught us. So there we have it. You are called to be fishers of men. Jesus calls you by name to follow, to learn, to be like him and to draw others into an experience of the kingdom of God. That's your calling this morning. It's my calling this morning. It's odd times to be trying to do that. But we can still become disciples more and more day by day as we learn, as we stay in touch with the living God in Jesus, as we go and do the things 
and say the things that Jesus wants us to do. May that be your experience of grace. Father God, we thank you that you sent Jesus and Jesus connects with us. We thank you that you've spoken into our lives. We thank you that you've helped us to understand. You've given us that grasp of what it means to be a person living in the kingdom of God. Help us to become more like Jesus day by day. Help us to be able to share that good news with other people so that they too will become disciples and followers of Jesus. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to continue to fill our lives with your presence so that day by day we reflect more of the glory of God in our lives. Amen.